Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. and welcome to Paranormal Thoughts Podcast. And as always, thanks for joining me. Today, I wanted to do a new segment where I talk about some of my favourite and probably some of the most well-known cases of alien abduction. So just before we get into that, though, uh, I just want to do a bit of housekeeping as we always do. If you are new to the podcast, welcome. If you're a returning listener, welcome back as always. Please feel free to subscribe to the podcast so you know you can keep in the loop of all brand new episodes. We are on every podcast hosting platform, iTunes, Stitcher, CastBox, everywhere you can find a podcast, just look for us there. We also are on Facebook and Instagram, so jump onto those. You can literally just search in Paranormal Thoughts Podcast and you'll find us. We also have a blog and the blog will have a few uh, videos and photos uh, referring to this podcast. So if you jump on to paranormalthoughtspodcast.wordpress.com, you'll find everything you need there. I uh, also just want to say thank you for all the listeners who have recently reached out, uh, sent me an email, sent me a message. So let me know what you're enjoying about the podcast. Let me know who you are, where you're from, all that stuff. I really appreciate it. It really, uh, it's good to know that you guys are listening. It's uh, The podcast is resonating with you in one way or another. It, uh, it really, honestly, I say this all the time, but it's the reason why I do it. Uh, I love I love doing it, um, you know, and I, I did it long before anyone was listening. So, uh, but the fact that you guys get something out of it, it really means the world. Also, just want to say I've literally been like talking all day today, so my throat is actually pretty sore, um, and I'm sort of sh- feel like I'm straining a little bit. So, apologies for um, probably how this next this next episode is going to sound because I'm sort of I am struggling a little bit here, to be perfectly honest. Uh, in the last episode too, I felt. I thought it was a bit um, sick as well, so uh, all good. We'll sort of uh, press on and uh, we'll get into it. So this case is the Betty and Barney Hill UFO abduction. So this was the very first UFO case I actually had ever heard of. It was probably like 14 years ago now. I was pretty young um, when I got into the whole the whole UFO alien abduction kind of topic, uh, which is probably, I don't know, maybe a bit bizarre. Uh, it definitely scared me as a kid, to be honest. And you know, I guess even as an adult now, it definitely has its scary side. And you're going to hear a bit of that um, in some grabs that I've got uh, of this case from some hypnosis sessions um, that I'm going to play for you. But it being the first case, it's it, I guess it was the thing that introduced me to this whole world, you know. I think as a kid, I knew obviously about 
the idea of UFOs and aliens, you know, I think um, for the last 50 years or so, everyone growing up has had that in their life, you know, it's just a part of pop culture and what we grew up with. But that was, um, it was pretty confronting, I suppose. It was a, it was a VHS tape and I had a couple of them that were passed uh, on to me from um, a grandparent who he was really into UFOs and things of the liking. And for whatever reason, he thought it'd be a good idea to give that to like a nine-year-old. And it was good because it literally kind of started my obsession, but it was, um, a tape about pretty much close encounters of the third kind, so people experiencing abductions or, you know, at least having these close um, close encounters with these beings. So one of the big stories was uh, Betty and Barney Hill, who were abducted in September 19th of 1961. So it dates back quite some years now, uh, and it's probably definitely that time, you know, the 40s has kind of passed you know, through the 50s, uh, a lot of sightings are kind of happening. But you don't hear so much about uh, abductions before that time, right? So it's sort of more through the 60s, 70s, 80s, where these abductions really become quite known, you know, with like people like Whitley Strieber, Travis Walton with Fire in the Sky, who, you know, I'm definitely going to talk about these cases in the, you know, next sort of coming episodes. But Betty and Barney were kind of the people who started, you know, they really got the ball rolling and they they, it's interesting because they weren't people who um, really came out and got a lot of media attention, you know, straight after the event, uh, straight away. They sat on it for a bit and they weren't even sure exactly what had happened, of course, because it doesn't really make any sense whatsoever, does it? I guess the idea in the 60s, let alone even now, um, the idea of people being, you know, abducted, it's it's really hard to get your mind around. But I'm going to go into uh, some of the facts here about what actually happened to Betty and Barney on that night. The Hills lived in New Hampshire in America. Barney worked for the United States Postal Service and Betty was a social worker. So it all started on September 19th, 1961. The Hills were driving back from Canada to the home in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. The couple noticed a light in the sky and decided to pull the car over to get a closer look. Obviously, at this time, they were assuming that it was some sort of craft, you know, some sort of military-type plane, maybe even a commercial plane at this stage. But Betty seemed to think that it was a UFO. And I find that interesting, that straight away she's like, that's a UFO, but I'll continue on anyway. The light they were watching actually started to change direction and started to move towards them. At this point, they got back on the road and just decided to drive away. The light then followed them for the next 30 miles. Betty knew at this point for sure they were dealing with a flying saucer. It being the early 60s, people knew about UFOs, obviously. Betty quite quickly put it all together. And this is what's interesting, is apparently, in a later report from Betty, she claims that she started actually yelling out the window and waving the UFO to come down towards them. And, you know, if you uh, if you ask for things like that, well, you might just get that result. UFO stopped 50 feet mid-air in front of the car. Barney got out with the binoculars. He reports seeing a large window with beings looking back at him. At this point, it obviously frightened him quite a bit and he raced back to the car and they sped off. Not long after this, they describe hearing a beeping sound coming from inside the car. Betty remembers the sound of the trunk of the car being hit by something and giving off a vibration type sound. Barney turned off the main road, trying to lose the craft. The next thing, they saw the beings that were in the UFO in front of the car standing in the middle of the road. The couple felt the need to leave the car and to follow the beings to the craft. Next thing you know, several hours have passed, they're driving back in the car and they don't have any memory of what just happened. Pretty typical sounding abduction there, right? But in saying that, it was one of the first, one of the first massively reported uh, happenings anyway. So 
The couple see a craft in the sky. They get stopped. They leave the car. They don't remember anything in between this time. And then they end up back in the car with missing time. So what's so significant about that, right? Well, it's when the couple went through hypnosis that they actually uncovered more about the abduction. The Hills didn't actually go through hypnosis at all straight away. They kind of brushed off the incident of what happened, but then Betty started having really vivid dreams about 10 days after the abduction. And she discovered that the dreams weren't just dreams, that they were actually memories coming back to her. Through hypnosis and also just the memory coming back to the couple, they were able to report what actually happened to them that night. The beings that they actually saw were not typical greys specifically. Uh, I think a lot of people believe that that was the case in the Betty and Barney Hill case. But in one of the last interviews that Betty did, she kind of uh, said, no, that wasn't the case. The beings weren't too dissimilar from people. They just had larger eyes, small nose, no obvious protruding features and no body hair. Um, There's also pictures that you can check out on the blog of a bust that Betty had made of one of the beings she actually saw. And apparently too, she makes a claim that they were all pretty different in um, in appearance. They weren't, you know, kind of carbon copies of one another. They all had different features and you could tell them apart apparently. Something else I found as well that this part of the story slightly changed. Uh, Betty in recent years said that the beings actually spoke to her verbally. She said their English was pretty basic, but she did see their mouths moving and she heard them that way. Barney under hypnosis, however, remembers it differently. He said he didn't hear them talking per se with their mouth, but he could see what they wanted to say in their faces. Their eyes apparently were the thing that was really giving him the message of what they were trying to tell him. So interesting. They, you know, have both slightly different experiences there. You know, that could almost lean to the point that, you know, they didn't get their story right when they were trying to um, potentially lie about what actually happened. But who knows, maybe they did speak to Betty in that way and then, you know, Barney in a different way. It's hard to kind of say, but I think over the years, because the case has been around for so long that I'm sure parts of the story could potentially change. But either way, um, there's evidence of them both saying uh, sort of different things. So keep that in mind anyway. There's always, I think there's always um, in these cases, there's always sort of these holes, I think, where things kind of don't line up and that's just kind of how it goes sometimes. Betty did try to put up a fight before entering the craft. In the process, she tore her dress. The beings told her they simply wanted to perform some tests. As soon as that's over, they were going to return them back to their car and they'd be on their way. The Hills claimed that the beings had individual roles. One of the beings took on a leader-type role and another was the examiner, the one doing all the tests. Then there was a bunch of others scattered, maybe nine or so, that were apparently more so just crew members. Betty tells us that the reason for the tests are for the beings to better understand us as humans and how we live our lives here on Earth. The couple's full bodies were checked from their eyes, ears, mouth, nose, feet. Every aspect of them was checked. Apparently, a little tidbit was Barney had dentures at this time and the beings were confused to why his teeth were able to be removed but Betty's weren't. This is a... I'm just going to say here too... um, because this story happened, you know, in 61, um, Barney unfortunately died in 1969, not not that long really after this happened, but Betty lived up until 2004. So she was kind of the front woman for telling us a lot of the information we know now. And her story has pretty much stayed the same throughout, but I think she, um, 
she definitely has changed some factors, I think. I think um, a big one was just at the start where I mentioned that she was waving the craft down and she wasn't frightened. But from early interviews, maybe, you know, 10, 15 years previous to that, um, though that sort of last time where she spoke and spoke about not being scared, prior to that, it sounded like she was quite scared and that they they felt like they were in danger, but then she kind of says, no, she wasn't. But, you know, that's just one little fact. But this next fact, I think, is quite interesting because it kind of sets a big UFO abduction ideal, I think, and that's about eggs and sperm being taken. And Betty's navel was actually pierced um, with a some sort of needle, and they believe that could have been um, them taking eggs out of her. But she believes that was now... Uh, not the case at all, and that Barney also had no sperm removed. But then in early reports, the couple both have actually said that eggs and sperm were taken, even to the point where uh, Barney believed that he felt he had an orgasm while he was uh, actually being examined. So I guess we can't really speak for Barney because he died, you know, not long after the fact. But um, with Betty, sort of, it sounds like somewhat of her story had somehow changed there. But The couple were both in different states of awareness during the experience. Barney was seen as more of a threat, apparently, so he was in a much more sedated state. With Betty, unlike Betty, she was far more aware and she actually could kind of sit up and make conversation with the beings, and that's kind of where we got uh, a lot of interesting information from. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. She knew that the beings were not from Earth, so she asked where they were from. The beings showed Betty a star map of where they were from. Betty didn't recognise the solar system that they were showing her and the beings actually were a bit confused to why she wouldn't know of where they were from. Betty also remembers making general conversation about her life and pretty much how she, how we live here on Earth. So after all this is done, Betty and Barney were returned to their car and before they knew it, they weren't too far from being at home, which doesn't add up because the amount of time they were driving for was actually longer than they needed to drive to get to their location. But at the same time, they don't remember driving, you know, half of that trip. On close inspection, the couple both realised that their wristwatches had uh, stopped working, which is quite a common factor as well in uh, UFO abductions. And the fact of missing time is uh, probably a very new uh, factor in abduction law. You know, it's kind of one of the first reports of it, so I think that's really interesting. It's, it's kind of like a window into one of the very first missing time type experiences. So Betty's sister was actually interested in UFOs and after the experience, Betty got onto the phone to her sister and told her about the light that she saw and um, she was a bit worried about being exposed to radiation, you know, not really understanding what a UFO, what a alien craft could be powered on but obviously that's her assuming that they were powering the craft on some type of nuclear power source. A tip her sister gave her was to take a compass out to the car and see if the compass would act bizarrely and give incorrect readings on any location around the car. The trunk of the car was the only spot that gave off a bizarre reading, with the needle constantly spinning. Keeping in mind the trunk of the car was where Betty remembers hearing the vibrating sound. Betty did, however, reach out to NICAP, the National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena, to ask about health problems about seeing UFO up close. Betty obviously had some interest in UFOs to even think about something like that because i don't know it's such a bizarre thing but at the same time it makes makes sense i suppose but just i don't know interesting isn't it so it wasn't until 1965 when dr benjamin simon spoke of betty letting her know that if they if both her and barney went under hypnosis they would actually remember some of the events and one of the things she remembered was the star map obviously that the extraterrestrial showed her and the star map wasn't just any random bunch of constellations it was actually the star system of zeta reticuli and betty could draw it perfectly from memory and maybe that's why you've heard the uh, the name zeta reticuli before because the zeta reticulars uh, are from that star system the fact that betty could draw and once again jump on the blog there are pictures of her actually drawing the star system how would she have known how to do that you know from memory um and not even knowing about that star system until she was told I think another really interesting tidbit that I found when I was doing some research was that two nearby Air Force bases actually were tracking an unidentified flying object on radar at the same time and in the same location that Betty and Barney were driving on the night of September 19th, 1961. After all this is said and done, Betty actually witnessed UFOs the rest of her entire life. The fact that she could actually... I don't know if she could really call on them necessarily. She's a bit vague in that, but she knew they were coming and she could actually snap photos of them. Once again, jump on the blog and there's a bunch of photos there that Betty has actually snapped herself. And when people have asked what the point of them coming was, she doesn't she doesn't really know. Like she, I think the interesting thing about Betty is she hasn't really tried to figure out what it all means outside of her experience. She knows what happened to her had happened and that's kind of the facts. 
All she can tell us is what she knows from what she remembers and through hypnosis. So people asking, what do they want? Uh, she can only say, well, this is what they told me and so on and so forth. You know, I think it's kind of interesting that she's kind of um, just stuck to that and that's what it kind of means to her. Uh, another interesting point was Betty was actually contacted by the United States government about her experience after it kind of started to get a little bit of momentum, you know. The couple definitely didn't set out to get media attention, but it kind of just followed on when they had this extraordinary story. And the interesting thing about the government speaking with them, as it kind of was quite a common thing back then, it gives us an idea that government officials know that something's going on and they don't know all the facts, you know. I don't think they'd be looking into it just to... I don't know, why else would they look into it if they didn't know that it was happening, but they just don't know what it means or to what sort of extent, you know. So, So do you think it was a hoax and they could have just, you know... Um, pretty much like come up with the story to get some publicity. They didn't actually gain a ton from doing it. You know, obviously Barney passed about nine years after the event actually happened and Betty, you know, lived quite a long life after that. But she obviously was, you know, known as Betty Hill her whole life. But I don't think she really profited in the sense of, you know, maybe how you could have if you wanted to fake it. And I think at the end of the day, a big thing is what we learned from their hypnosis and also the star map that she was able to draw. I want to play some just some few bits of audio and you can find this um, this audio online. Once again, check the blog and there'll be a bunch of links to this audio. But it's from the Hills hypnosis sessions and unfortunately it's recorded pretty terribly, um, you know, it being the mid-60s. But you can you can hear what's kind of going on, and some of it's pretty pretty heavy. It's it's quite confronting, I'd say. You know, I think you start listening to it and you think, okay, yep, great, sounds like someone under hypnosis. But then hearing Barney become quite distressed is it is kind of confronting. I think, especially as someone probably like a lot of you who are in, you're interested in this topic, and I think you can become a bit detached and not really think about the words you're reading on a page or a video you're watching um, or listening to, you know. You you know that this stuff's happening, but you don't really sometimes see what it actually does to people. I don't know. It's It really puts into like perspective of like what we're actually looking into here. It might not necessarily be an evil type presence. It might not necessarily want to harm us, but the effect that it can have on us in the in the interim is quite it can be quite damaging and Betty took it a lot better than Barney did, that's for sure. You know, uh, Barney became very depressed. He had a lot of anxiety. Betty talks about the abduction now as being a positive thing, um, but I definitely remember hearing her speak in interviews, reading things about that not being the case uh, straight away, but maybe she's had time to sort of live with it. And, you know, I completely get you can change your mind about how it sort of sits with you and how it falls. I think it's insane that we have this account and it still holds up today you do remember everything it's right over my right god what is it i try to maintain control so betty cannot tell i am scared God, I'm scared. It's all right. You can go right on. Experience it. It will not hurt you. I got to get my gun.
What do they want? What do they want? This creature, this leader is telling me something. He's telling you something. How? I can see it in his face. No, it's not moving. Yes, go on. He's telling you. And he's looking at me. What did he tell you? Stay there and keep looking. Just keep looking and stay there. Guys. Guys. I've never seen his eyes before. <laughs> They're taking me up to the object. Now, I don't want to go on it. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't know what's going to happen if I go on it. I don't want to go. And I go up the ramp. Should I go inside? Another man comes in. I think he's a doctor. I lie down on the table on my back and he brings over this oh how can I describe it they're like needles there's a whole cluster of needles and each needle has a wire running from it so then they roll me over and the examiner has a long needle in his hand and I see the needle and it, it's it's bigger than any needle I've ever seen and I asked him what he's going to do with it and he said just a simple death to hold her face and I asked him what and he said he just wants to put it in my table. It's just a simple test. I don't know. It will hurt. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> and I'm crying and I tell him it's hurting. It's hurting. It's hurting. Get out. So yeah, some pretty full-on stuff in there. And it's so interesting too to hear them actually retelling the story under hypnosis. You know, it it kind of gives a whole nother, a whole, whole nother aspect to the actual story, you know, because I guess you get in such a habit of telling your story again and again, but kind of hearing it raw and what they actually experienced is insane. You know, it's it really puts it into perspective of what, what it is we are actually really interested in and what we look at regularly, you know. It, it puts it all just right there in front of you, like, this is what alien abduction is, you know, believe it or not, um, as I always say, it's real to these people, um, and I, I definitely believe them. I hope you got something out of this episode. If you've never heard of the Benny and Barney Hill case, well, hopefully I gave you a little bit of an insight. I'm sure some of you, I'm sure a lot of you probably know about it. It's very, it's a very famous case, but I just want to talk, I just want you guys to know, because I think there's a lot of podcasts telling the story, um, which is great, but maybe they miss some points of uh, evidence and also just like an opinion on it, you know, which I think that's kind of what Paranormal Thoughts is all about is having a discussion and kind of going, well, could they be lying? And potentially, you know, um, they're the only two who really know and uh, they're both dead now, unfortunately. So, but a lot of researchers have looked into this case. There's heaps of books, heaps of documentaries. It's really well documented. One of the most famous cases, you know, it's like the first, the first real alien abduction that kind of springboarded the entire 
concept of what it is to be abducted by extraterrestrial beings. Thanks for listening, guys. If you've enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe. Listen to a bunch of our previous episodes. If you like the alien abduction stuff, there's a lot on this podcast. I've even spoken to actual alien abductees, so check that out. New podcasts every fortnight. I'm going to actually leave you with um, this message from Betty that she uh, just kind of said at the end of one of her very last interviews that she did in uh, 1999. So thank you guys so much for listening. And I look forward to seeing you in another podcast episode soon. Thanks. Bye. Another thing, I never call them aliens. What did you call beings? Astronauts. I call them what they were. Astronauts. Sure, sure. That's what they are. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.